Welcome to the Zelda Informer Podcast. I am your host, Alfred Tabax, joined today by Andy Spiteri. Hey, everybody. Now, Andy, is it true that you were raised by moose, as all Canadians are? Uh, raised by moose and born from ice. Yes, that's true. Man, don't tell anybody. Such a difficult existence, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Enough maple syrup will get you through anything. Exactly. And that, that's pretty much your bottle-fed maple syrup from, <laughs> from birth, so. Yeah. You hook it in your veins. <laughs> so this week we're going to talk about, uh, I really wanted to hit on video games as an art form. Uh, I don't think we've talked about that on this podcast before. If we have, it's been a very long time. Um, so I just kind of wanted to see where we fell on that. But first, um, Andy, I want you to give your definition of art. Like when you think of art, like true art, not like, oh, modern art where it's like a square. It's like, oh, it's supposed to have some hidden meaning, but like, what what when you think of art, like whether it's a film or um, a just some music or even a piece of art like painting, what what do you think of like definition wise? Um, I don't like. I always think of that one saying. It's like I don't know good art, but I do know what I like or whatever. So I, I think of that right away because I think there's a lot of different definitions that you could. Um, that you could define art as, I guess like, I don't know, mine, mine would be something that invokes an emotional response on some mm-hmm. level. Um, you know, and that can be, that can be visually, that can be via a message that it is trying to say. It can be, uh, it can be through a lot of different things. I guess like when I think of art, I kind of default to visual images. Mm-hmm. Um, but like music can definitely be art as well. I think we like we even kind of discussed that in our podcast a little while ago. How like music really adds to video games. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess just like I don't know. Like like it's hard for me to define, but I know it when I see it. You know. Um. Would be yeah, my I'm, best. Would be my best bad answer. How about that? <laughs> I mean, I agree. I think that art is something that is a uh, that evokes an emotional response for me. Like like a a work or something that's created that's that elicits a response and <clears throat> we we kind of have to be a little bit more uh like specific on that too because saying movies are an art is true but not all movies are art um mm-hmm. and it depends on which way you're categorizing it too okay so like let's talk about like if i'm thinking about the transformers franchise from a story perspective, it's not an art. That's like the Ed Hardy of art. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't consider that as like art. However, from a special effects standpoint, uh, especially the first movie, that that's you know that's pretty artful. Um, and so it really kind of you know you have to qualify it sometimes. But I, I do think ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's something that you know gets a response from you, an emotional response, appropriate emotional response. Um, whether that's like awe, wonder, or you know, fear, sadness, whatever it is, um, because even though the Transformers franchise is, you know, for all awful, yeah, it's awful. It sucks. Um, it's awful. Even the, like, but still sitting through and watching the first movie and seeing like the gears change in the close-up shots as the Transformers transformed, I was like, that's that's actually pretty cool. Um, the way that they did that, and so to me, it's like that's cool. That I'd consider that specific thing that they're doing there, the special effects is art. I wouldn't necessarily consider the whole thing art. Um, so how then, if we're qualifying art, how, how do you think that video games would fit into that mold of art? I, I guess when I think of art in video games, it would be like kind of a blending of, uh, uh, surreal visuals, which is like a, a thing that is unique to video games, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they have, I guess, video games and animation both have this in common, where they can create a little bit more. They're they're not tied to being realistic. They're not they're not really tied to anything, so they can just create a world or or whatever that's mm-hmm. you know pretty surreal, blended together perfectly with music, um, blended together with something via a story or like something that kind of um, invokes an emotional response out of you um, would be how I would define it. It's probably easier for me to list off the games I would consider as art and you can draw your own 
um, definitions based off what I would consider to be art in video games rather than for me to like explain it. Like I said, like I, I just kind of know it when I see it. Yeah. And I mean, like, um, <clears throat> I think one of the benefits that video games have over movies is that they're longer um, and that they can be longer. They're not really restricted by time. And yeah. granted, movies aren't restricted by time. Like, there's no law that says, oh, your movie has to be, you know, this long or can't be any longer than that. It's more of an attention span thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas games can be broken up and broken down and you could play it for four hours, five hours, and then be like, eh, you know what, I'm going to save the rest of this for later and then keep coming back to it. Um, and so you can get a full story like with really well-developed characters in like a 20, you know, hour game or 70 hour game or whatever it is. Like, I think I've clocked in at this point before I did my new game plus 70 hours in a Persona 5. And so like you got to see the characters and, and understand the villains and, and you got to see all that kind of stuff that you really, really wouldn't normally see in a movie that's two hours long. Um, so I right. think that they have a uh, a benefit there. Um, and that they have more freedom to explore things. Whereas in movies, not that they're constrained, but they're constrained by their audience. Um, cause even, an audience. even like Lord of the Rings, that's my favorite movie franchise ever. I love them. I don't know if I'd necessarily say they're art, you know. They're they're excellently made in every aspect, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it, it's tough for like a non-artistic person like me to kind of quantify that, but... Um, you might, know, you might have made some kinda, enemies there saying that well, you don't know if there are. Well, and, and like I love Lord of the Rings more than anybody. I've written a lot about it. I've watched them all the time. I, I, I just don't know. I, I wouldn't consider I wouldn't consider that art necessarily so much as just excellent, excellent filmmaking, you know? Um, yeah. And that in and of itself could be an art, though, too. Yeah, and and that's what I mean by definition. If you're talking like the art of filmmaking, then Lord of the Rings is a masterclass. If you're talking music, it's a masterclass. If you're talking, um, you know, if you're, it, pretty much everything that Lord of the Rings did was perfect. But and I'm trying to think of like a movie, well, except for the last Hobbit film. Oh yeah, we're not counting the Hobbit in Lord of the Rings. That's <laughs> no. I'm I'm taking a look at my movies right now, and I'm looking for something that I would say is like truly art, and like. I don't know. I, I, I don't... Maybe it's just me. I, I'm not sure that I would define movies as art, necessarily. But, again, that's a pretty non-artistic person talking here, so... Yeah, I mean, I'd consider movies an art. Like, again, you have to break them up into into specific parts to look at what, what is exactly the art... Like, what you would consider artful about it. Um, mm-hmm. And there is an art to movies, but movies can also be an art. And those are two different things. Having an art to movies is... Like there being a specialty and it takes a special kind of person to do it. Um, But, you know, anyone can go into iMovie and make a short film, but very few people can spend millions. Well, not very few people can spend millions of dollars, but very few people could put out an exceptionally exceptional film um, that a lot of people like. Uh, And, you know, like you were talking about with Lord of the Rings, like how the music is uh, fantastic, Masterful. the score, yeah. like all of that, it, it fits together to make what I'd, I'd say is a piece of art. Um, and even movies like, a, you know, hate it or love it, La La Land, uh, the movie that almost won <sighs> Best Picture, um, is, I love the soundtrack to that. Not... Like, it's not my favorite movie of all time, but I really love the soundtrack. Um, and again, you have when you say something is an art uh, or is art, you have to talk about what you mean, especially in a multimedia um, setting. Because when you look at a piece of art, like somebody, a painting, there's not that it's one dimensional because, you know, that in art, there's never mind. Not, not going to get into art. Um, but you look at a piece of art and you're like, OK, this is one soul piece so i'm looking at everything there is to see um like there's no music that needs to be played along with this there's no special effects it's it's there and it's done um and so it's it's it is a like all of its pieces come together to form a whole but it is the sum of its parts uh for all intents and purposes and while movies are as well there's a reason why the oscars are split up into special effects and costume design and you know, best actor. It's it's because there's different parts that are also art. 
Um, and so when we look at video games, we also have to look at it in the same way. Uh, so kind of, you know, if we want to quantify it in the same way that we do um, the video game awards, I guess, when you look at voice actors and special effects and even game of the year, um, I think that, you know, we talked about how video games can elicit an emotion or how art's supposed to elicit an emotion. And I think video games can do that. And that's, you know, the point that I was making is that sometimes they can do it better than a movie because it has more time. So, yeah, I, like, it's hard for me, I guess, to define movies as art and and to a lesser extent video games, but it, because my definition of art is so undefined, but... Um, like I said, like I think I think I'll have a better idea of what I would consider art based off the video games that I would say are artistic. Because um, I, I don't know, I just I feel like something can be really well put together, like Lord of the Rings. Everything about it can be a fine art. The shooting is a fine art. The music, the acting, the directing, all that is like you know it takes a great artist to do. But when it's when it's put together, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say that's art or not. It's I don't know. It's difficult for me, I guess, like, once again, to, to define. Mm-hmm. So then you, you said that it's easier to talk, just talk about the games. Um, so I want to split that into two sections. Um, I want to talk about games that we think of as art, um, as like they are truly a masterpiece in, in, in the sense that they kind of transcend just being a video game. Um, but I also want to talk about games that have elicited emotions out of us since we kind of split up a definition of art there um, as being like artful, but also the fact that it elicits an emotion. Sometimes it's both for a game. Sometimes it's, it's neither. Sometimes it's either or Um, there are some games that have, that have elicited an emotion from me uh, (laughs) that I would not call art. Um, So, and by, by emotion, I don't mean like rage quitting. I mean like a genuine emotion of, you know, something that you would like, it makes you feel, um, based on you know whatever quality of the game so uh talk about a game that you can some games that you would consider art first um i will before i do that like i guess i guess my thing is like i define if a game has a good story i think that it'll make you it'll it'll make you emote whereas like i don't know again i wouldn't say that's necessarily art um Mm -hmm. the first game that comes to mind that i would immediately say and that was a game that popped in my head as soon as you brought this topic up was Limbo. Mm-hmm. So that game doesn't have a single word in it, um, I don't believe, but it tells a very distinct story by the usage of its visuals and the setting around you. So everything feels very surreal. The shadows kind of blend together, and it really does what you know only a video game can do to to accomplish. So I. Uh, that would be one that I would think right away um, would would be an example of what you would define a video game as art. Um, the second, I would say Ori in the Blind Forest. I figured you were going to go there. Don't know if anyone's ever played it. If you haven't, that's a shame because it's awesome. Um, just like, again, not, not really any words spoken, but just like <laughs> a surreal world with um, with just tons of character, tons of of personality and story that they tell by using just simple looks and glances and it, it all, it all just comes together so masterfully. Um, like I said, like the, the music and the, and the visuals and the, and the setting just all kind of come together to form this perfect maelstrom that would, that, you know, in the first 10 minutes, I was just like, Oh my God, like this game is, this game is going to be amazing. And it was something I could just tell immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a, I have a weird game as well that I would define as art, but in like, in like that weird kind of modern, you're looking at something that's not necessarily <laughs> art kind of way, Please but, stay uh, inside. yeah. Have you ever played the Stanley parable? Yes. So I would define that as art because it's so odd and it's <laughs> so, it's so out there, but it's, it's like, it, it kind of provokes you to think, like, should I follow this narrative? Should I, you know, because the narrative is of him not following 
his his narratives. You know, the story is about this guy who has a predetermined path, but his predetermined path is to rebel against his bosses. So, like, does he rebel by not rebelling, or does he walk the predetermined path that the narrator is speaking? And, and you can restart it in a bunch of different ways. It's just a very interesting game with many endings, and it's it's um, I don't know. It just made it made me think a lot, which is something that I really like mm-hmm. playing with video games. So. Those would be my examples off the top of my head. If you give me a few more minutes, I could probably think of some more, but uh, I'll, I mean, I'll hand it over to you. I think like a lot of people would agree with my first one. Some people would say it's overrated, but I'd have to say Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, um, yeah, totally. That totally. game is... a comp- it's, it's unfinished, but it's a complete masterpiece. Um, by the way, the, the visuals have aged pretty well. Honestly, um, and if they're doing the the remake with it, where they're updating visuals, I can't wait to see how that looks. the The soundtrack mm-hmm. uh, is probably one of my favorites from any video game. Um, the gameplay is simplistic but style stylish. Um, the story is simple, um, but it can you know it can make you feel. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that game like brought me to tears or anything, but still, like I, I consider that game a masterpiece. Just, uh, just from the, the the simple way it did everything and how it all worked together to make this like fantastic timeless game. Uh, I mean, I, I can't really think of anything else to say about it. That's just you know, if you haven't played Shadow of the Colossus, definitely play that game. Um, it's it's one of the mm-hmm. staples of gaming, like. I don't know what else to tell you. It's, it's if you haven't played it, you need to play it. Uh, they're not not a lot of games I say that about, like genuinely. But I'd say that if if you want to experience something like a, a hallmark classic of gaming, definitely Shadow Colossus. Um, I, I think you could probably say <laughs> almost the same about Eco, and even uh, even The Last Guardian was an attempt at artwork. Yeah, um, in video but I don't know if well. Last Guardian did as well. I don't know with, if it did either, but it still tried, which I respect. Yeah. Uh, actually, I didn't really like Eco either, actually. Um, I, thought, I played it, I think, after Shadow of the Colossus, so I, I kind of had, uh, had higher hopes for it based off Shadow of the Colossus, oh, and I, it wasn't really that great. But, um, <clears throat> but like, I still think that it, it, it again, it strived for that, which is something that I respect. I'd say that... Um... And this is difficult because it's had ups and downs and flops, but ultimately the Metal Gear Solid series, I'd consider an art. Um, I honestly I'd put that in league with with film, but just by the way the the story progresses and the way he tells a story, um, and I mean Kojima is like a god among men in the gaming universe. Uh, but I, I mean you know if I had to pick a specific game, maybe Sons of Liberty. Um, that game was, there very few games did what that game did. Very few were as bold in their political commentary around then. Um, and you know, that's, that's something else that art does is it, you know, has criticisms for, you know, the world, the society. And that game was all about that. Uh, so, I mean, Sons of Liberty was, I mean, it's not my favorite Metal Gear Solid game, but I definitely consider that game a a piece of art and it genuine classic too sorry that mm-hmm. i'm saying a bunch of playstation games but uh you know not saying one's better than the other uh, see i, I would <laughs> almost put um metal gear solid in with lord of the rings that i think that i love metal gear solid i've played every mm-hmm. one of them i don't know kojima's an artist i don't know if those games are like art though i i, I love the stories of them but i, I don't know to me i feel I'd like that's a good story how cinematic it is and how the mm-hmm. story takes you along um, is an art, like is art, like just the way that I mean, the controls kind of suck for some of the games and they're really confusing because they change with every iteration. They finally universalized them in five. Um, but it's just, you know, as <clears throat> much of a mess as five ended up being, it's still a great game. Um, and the opening act to that game was fantastic. The, the hospital scene, um, like it's, it's just the way, like he it's always, the way has, that it didn't end that sours yeah. a lot of people and it sours me. Well, and there's, there's really a reason for something. that too. It's, it's not really in his hands. Um, 
Oh yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that there's a bunch of uh of shit hitting the fan at Konami when this yeah. was going on, but yeah, it, that was <clears throat> But still I I'd say that, you know, the way he does games and consequently his games as a film. I think that's I think that's the difference between him and other other game developers is he treats his he treats games as a f- medium of film. Um, as an interactive story experience. Not necessarily like Telltale, but as an interactive story experience where you're going along with the story and experiencing it rather than just watching it. And I think that that's something that he always tries to do uh, with his games. And so, you know, for me, it's 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 an art, just the way he does it. Um, people are probably going to disagree with me. It's fine. Get some discussion going, but... I think it just I think it just falls onto where you think like do you define an excellent story as art the art of storytelling I mean, there's definitely an art of storytelling you know if it wasn't an art every game would have an amazing story but <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know I I just I I'm not sure I would uh, I would put that up there although uh, as as far as like series go you're absolutely right Metal Gear Solid is particularly cinematic and mm-hmm. few series look as good as that series does when it's rocking and rolling yeah. And I mean, like I, I could probably think of other game series that I think of as art. Um, honestly, <clears throat> if you want to get into games as art, you're going to have to dive into indies um, because that's where you really see a lot of games as an art form. Um, you see the most creativity on yeah. indies for sure. Like a uh, Hyperlight Drifter. That game is gorgeous and it plays like a dream. It's just... That that game feels like it's something that, you know, you would play in an art museum as like this is an example of where we are with this kind of like style of art, uh, art form or whatever. I don't know. I just I look at that. I look at games like Origami, um, like you mentioned, Ori in the Blind Forest, like looking at those types of games, like not they're not big triple A games, um, especially even, even Ori. It was published by Microsoft. It's not made by them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think any of the games that I said were. I think almost every game that I would think of that I would consider artistic would be would be like a smaller indie mm-hmm. game. Perhaps with the exception of The Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker, yeah, which I would think is a, is quite an artistic game, and it was quite bold, and it was quite a risk, and uh, and yeah, it it used a mm-hmm. different art. It definitely it definitely had a style on onto itself which I thought was yeah. pretty courageous at the time to use, especially well, when Nintendo was getting hammered for being like the kid, you know, the toy manufacturer yeah. back then. Did you ever play Bastion or Transistor? I uh, played Bastion, yeah. Those games I consider art. Um, just mm-hmm. like the, the, the style of the game, uh, the music, and just the unique ways of telling stories. Like I'd honestly never had, never played a game. Like I've played plenty, plenty of brawlers and plenty of hack and slashes, but I'd never played a game with a story told in the same way as Bastion, which yeah. was, which was really cool. And I think honestly, it's it's those subjective experiences that ultimately let us detail what we think of as art. And yeah, that's you know, as much as people are like, no, art is objective. I art is very subjective. Um, and it's all largely based on our experiences that we view art through and view the, the piece that we're looking at. And we're like, oh, yeah, this is art or this is not art. I mean, so it's not like I'm going to agree with everyone and everyone's going to agree with me about my my picks and, and your picks. But, at, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'd say that games can be an art form and that there are some that I would consider art, you know? Absolutely. I, like, I think if you consider movies an art form, you have to consider video games an art form because they're like they're almost on the same level now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree. I'm looking at this weird game that I've played called um, Botanicula, which is like very artistic. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like this weird game where you traverse around a tree and you're this uh, collection of little I don't even know what you are like little. Um, germs or something your little like your little like tree bits and you uh you play music and you stuff and it's it's like five bucks on steam that's an artistic game if anyone wants to give that a shot oh how did i know this journey or or flow or flower that's Mm -hmm. literally interactive art 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, I've never thought of flower or flow as games. I've always thought of them as just art. Like, here's something cool that we made. Just kind of like sit along for the ride. Um, I, I definitely consider those games art. Like, without it. Yeah, I've, I've never played them, but they, I, I wanted to. Because mm-hmm. um, they look quite cool, too. I think I'd be, be quite into that. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, man, these are like, you know, fantastic games, but I'd say that they're fantastic experiences and fantastic art pieces. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd throw like Gone Home into that category, too. Mm-hmm. So like you said, th- there's there's plenty of games that we could see as art. Uh, but what about some games that have made you feel? Um, so it doesn't have to be a good game. At this point, I, I really just want to talk about for us, you and me. Some games that have gotten some emotion out of us and have made us, you know, feel something. Um, and you can make your list however long you want it to be. But I just want to know what games have made you feel. And, you know, what did you feel based okay. on those games? There's two that immediately come to mind. Three, actually. Um, the first is Final Fantasy IX. When you are... Um, when you're going to the end of the game... Should I just... I'm, I'm going to throw a spoiler warning out here. So you're going to the end of the game, and you, uh, uh, you, you've just engaged in a pretty intense battle with Kuja. And Kuja has, like, more or less redeemed himself. He's allowed Zidane and company to leave um, unscathed, um, and he's defended them against the, kind of this, this calamity of his own bringing, but still he, he realized error of his ways and let him go. And uh, then Kuja dies, which is kind of sad. And then... You get this. Uh, you get this monologue at the end of the game, which is uh, which is playing over like kind of an epilogue, showing everyone and you know all the characters and what they're doing after the game is over. And you realize at the. Have you ever played Final Fantasy IX, by the way? No. Oh man, I don't know if I even <laughs> want to say this. It's so good. Okay, so so you realize that one of the main characters is speaking, and he's a beloved, beloved character and you realize that he's saying this as he is dying um and he's kind of come to terms with his own existence and it's basically he's reading it as a letter that he had written to the main character Zidane and uh I know who you're talking about yeah okay so I'm talking about Vivi the the little black mage so he was created he was created and uh basically given only a, a small finite lifespan um, so he is dying at the end of this game and thanks to Dane for basically showing him why he existed. And he's like, my memories will be part of the sky. And it was so sad. And then right after that, you see Zidane finally get back together with Garnett. And like, it was just, it was like, bam, 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 like all these, all these things at the end of the game. And it was so good. So that, that one, I was like, I was like weeping. Like I was a five-year-old girl watching Frozen. So, uh, second, second would be, uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, the ending. Mm-hmm. God, that, that salute kills me every time. Yeah. Um, if I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't dare even spoil that for anyone that hasn't played Metal Gear Solid 3, because <laughs> that's just so, it's so good. That, and if that, you, that the is less probably you know, my favorite Metal Gear Solid game. Yeah, the less you know about Metal Gear Solid, kind of going into it, almost the better, because... When I was when I was playing it for the first time, I think I had played all of them in quick succession. And for like the first hour, I was like, "That's weird." Solid Snake is in the 1960s. Maybe he just doesn't age. And then, like, obviously, it kicked in after. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I don't know. That was cool. And then, and then the third is in Ocarina of Time when you're leaving um, when you're leaving the Kokiri Forest and you see Soraya and then you talk to her. And then later, mm-hmm. when you when you beat the Forest Temple, and it's like. She will always be your friend. I just thought it was so sad because you have you have this friendship that is like, you know, in another life they could have been friends, but in this one it's just destiny is on, you know, tearing them apart and it, it, it was sad. <clears throat> I think for me, I've got a few games. Um, I agree with Metal Gear Solid 3, um, but there's one specific part of Metal Gear Solid 4 that has always resonated with me. Like, I will always remember this. It's the fight with... uh, It's... Okay. Revolver, Ocelot, slash Liquid Snake. Mm -hmm. At the very end of the game. Like, right after you've taken out uh, the Metal Gear and you're fighting on top of that, like, just doing hand-to-hand combat. 
right. and it literally goes from like PlayStation One graphics to two to three to four, and you like see the succession of like the characters with like really dramatic music, and I wasn't like crying or anything. I was like, it gave me goosebumps. I was like, man, mm-hmm. this is intense, and this is really well done because it's like, look where we are now, and this is the end of this like so- of this character saga. Um, and I was like, man, that is, that is freaking rough. Um, but that has always resonated with me. That game itself was a, a, a maj podge of, you know, good decisions and bad decisions. But the, that part of the game was like, it, it's almost worth it for me to go back and replay it just for that scene. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I just love that part so much. Oh, um, I, can I throw something in there quick? Yeah. Speaking of Metal Gear Solid, this was just like... Uh, it, like, it didn't make me sad, but it was just, it was such a bro moment. Um, EE has just been assassinated by Vamp after you just bust your ass trying to save her, no less. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. like, Vamp comes in, and there's just, like, there's this great scene, like, Ryden is trying to console uh, um, Emmerich, and so there's this great scene where Snake comes up, he looks at Otacon, they, they kind of don't really say anything to each other. Snake says a few words eventually, but, like, you can tell he's not he's not good at that, so he just he gives him this big hug, and it's such a good moment because it's like it's such a snake thing to do. It's like he doesn't he, he's he is a man of words, but like in that instance, he just knew that there was nothing that could be said that would make it better. So he just like he gives Otacon the hug, and it was like oh, it was such a good moment, so good. Um, then I have to say, <clears throat> people always get on to me for this, but Undertale. Um, like if you play the game the way it's really meant to be played, it, it's gonna hit you hard. Um, if you're don't, like, don't me. throw any spoilers out there because I, I'm I not plan on playing that. <clears throat> there is at the at the very very like the final boss battle, not not on the genocide route, but the pacifier pacifist route. Um, the final final boss battle after that, like that is man, that that was something special. Um, I, I think I, I think I legitimately cried at the end of that game. Uh, and then there was one scene that like, it's just the, the way music in that game fits with everything. Uh, that, that game's such a masterpiece to me. It'll all, always, always be a masterpiece to me. Um, but there's a scene where you learn the backstory to something and it plays a rendition of the main song, like the Undertale theme song really quiet and really soft and it's just like solemn even though it's kind of still like a not necessarily cheerful but upbeat theme it's like you know this is it's a dark story and it's telling you the story and how it went and it's this it's it's you're just walking down a hallway um and it's just my gosh i don't have enough good things to say about that game um and then another game uh this is actually the the Undertale and this this other game are in my top five games. Um, I don't know how many of you have played it. This is by far my favorite Square Enix game of all time. Uh, but the world ends with you. I played that. Uh, my gosh, that game is fantastic. I can't like tell you a specific part of that game that made me feel because pretty much the whole game was like that. I felt like the, the characters were so well developed. And, and even though some of them weren't likable, you got to know them well enough. It was like, man, I don't want to see these characters go. And then at the very end, like when, you know, this isn't really a big spoiler, but because of the journey he's been on, Nick, who takes off his headphones and it's like, I'm ready to, you know, engage the world. And just the, the way that the message of the, the title is the world ends with you. It's like the world begins and ends with you. So, you know, how, how you choose to be a part of it. Um, and that was a really like, it might've also been like what I was going through at the time, but it really resonated with me. And that game is always going to be one of my favorites just because of how well it told its story and how well its characters were. Um, it's a vastly underrated game. Uh, not enough people played it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I played it, but it was hard for me to get past the card mechanics. I don't do yeah. well with like card games. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's difficult. Um, on the on the original DS, I'd, I'd say if you were going to have to pick between the DS version and the iPhone version, definitely pick the DS version. Um, because that I have... Probably, it's probably far harder to find the DS version, but yeah, it's, it's probably worth yeah. it, I would have to imagine. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely that game. 
Um, and then I don't know. I don't. I'm trying to think of other have games. You, uh, have you ever played Xenosaga? No. So do you know? Do you know kind of anything about that series? Yeah. So the main the main bad guy in that series, um, at least for the first couple of games, is this guy named Albedo. And he is this uh, this white-haired dude. He, he's he's related to one of the main characters in your party, and uh, you you never really know kind of where he's coming from, other than the guy is just obviously insane. If I had to compare him to someone, I would compare him to the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this scene in Xenosaga, the first game, where he gets um, Momo alone. Momo is this android in your party, and she is built to resemble a, uh, I don't know, maybe like an eight-year-old girl or something like that. So, um, and she's like, she's an android or whatever. So you see Albedo in his lair, and he somehow lured Momo by herself into his lair. And you just, you see all these other discarded replicants they're called these androids of that look exactly like momo and they're just everywhere and so that alone with like with like the fact that this eight-year-old girl has walked into this guy's lair it's like super creepy and super uncomfortable and like the scene that that follows between them is so uncomfortable and weird and it's he's basically he's literally trying to scare her um he's trying to frighten her so bad that she passes out and her like inner defenses you know fail or whatever it's it's kind of an out there mechanic but like the point is he's trying to scare her to like basically to death and so it's it's so weird i like if you've never played it i encourage you guys to youtube it it's called youtube albedo mabel pesh that's french because he starts quoting scripture in french talking in french to her and it's like you will feel super uncomfortable i guarantee it watching it <laughs> Which is like, which is great. Like I like Albedo as a villain because I think like if you feel you know if you feel that way towards your villain, then he's probably doing his job right. But it's mm-hmm. that that always stuck with me. Um, and there's like this gnarly music playing in the background. It's like this sh- this shrieking. It's it's super creepy. I That's encourage a- anyone to, to check that out. I mean, more recently for me, uh, Persona Five, like. I can't. I can't get enough of that game. Um, I ended up having to buy the soundtrack, just like the the full soundtrack, uh, just because it was so good. Um, there's a bunch of scenes, like different confidant scenes, um, that really got me. Um, but there was no like, f yeah moment until the very end. Um, where I I have this really bad habit of playing games on like hard, um, just to get the trophy out of the way the first time. Mm. Um. So I'd been like struggling with this final boss and I finally beat it. But then there's, I don't want to spoil it, but like there's this really freaking awesome moment in it um, where you just annihilate the thing. And it's like this whole stylized final kill that was just like, man, that is that's badass. And it just like, I, I don't know how to describe that feeling, but it was just pretty awesome. Um, that whole game is awesome, but like that that specific part, like I look back on them, like man, that's that was cool. Um, and so like, it doesn't always have to make you cry. Like I think the the very first game, this is really embarrassing. Um, when I was a kid, the very first game that made me cry was Sonic Adventure Two when Shadow died. Okay, I was I played it when it came out. I was like five. Were you crying because you were playing Sonic Adventure 2? Hey, it's a great game. Don't... <laughs> he, he, like, Shadow died, and I got really sad, and I cried, and I was five years old, and I remember, like, I remember that scene distinctly in my head and how I reacted to it, and I look back, I'm like, Alfred, you, you ass. Just, why? <clears throat> One of our... Just quickly to kind of throw Sonic under the bus here, one of our editors is talking today, and he's like... It's like, yeah, I bought Sonic Mania and the game keeps freezing <laughs> and yeah, I don't um, know how to fix it. <laughs> on Switch? I, I don't know what he bought it on, but... It's probably The Switch game, the Switch version is probably the one he's talking about because it's uh, buggy right now, to say the least. I I, I have to imagine <clears throat> that they're, they're all buggy because it's a Sonic <laughs> game. So I read that and I was like... Never change, Sonic. Never change. <laughs> and, and that right there, I guess, is proof that they'll make you feel something, because I still don't like Sonic <laughs> in the wake of his feud with Mario, so there you go. 
<clears throat> yeah, but I mean, like, aside from, like, you know, Zelda moments, um, like, Majora's Mask, that game is all about, you know, sorrow mm-hmm. and feelings, and no doubt, like, in my mind that that game is emotionally charged. Uh, for example, I went to a concert, I went to the first symphony round that they had, Symphony of the Goddess, um, it was me and uh, uh, one of my friends were sitting there, and they play Majora's Mask as an encore, and this girl behind me just starts bawling. And she's like, I can't handle it right now. Like, this is my favorite game, and I just, I just, I can't. And she was just having, like, the biggest meltdown listening to the soundtrack. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, there's your example of how, how games can make someone feel, I guess. I mean, she was not having it, but she was having... A great time at the same time. So, people are complex, I guess. Women are more so complex. I'm going to stop. Mm, amen. Yeah. <laughs> what? What was that? Uh, we're talking about... Uh, yeah. Yeah, they always play Skyward Sword at the end when I went to uh, Symphony of the Goddess. Mm-hmm. They always, they always started with that the first time for me. Like, they started mm. with the Ballad of the Goddess, and then they did the other games, and they ended with Majora's Mask. Mm. Um, but, yeah... <clears throat> Any other games coming to mind? Uh, I was trying to think of some that make you feel in a more positive light. Um, like I, I wouldn't say like some games can just be funny. Like yeah. I think that the Phoenix Wright series is quite funny. <laughs> um, but I guess it's easier to pick out the games that kind of that make you feel like you know kind of make you sad about their story and what's happening afterwards because I can't think of any games <laughs> off the top of my oh. head. I mean, there's lots of games where I've like felt pumped going into a boss yeah. fight or I've like, I've felt like awesome after doing something in particular, but I guess that those don't, they don't really stick with me as much as like the times that I can just remember like <laughs> weeping at the end of Final Fantasy nine, for example, the, the beginning to the last of us. Oh, I don't know how I forgot that. I haven't played that either. That, uh, the beginning to that, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but in the beginning of the game, you get very close with the characters, just understanding their dynamic, mm-hmm. and then something happens, and, like, I I sat, like, put the controller down, and I, like, could not believe what had just happened. And I was like, I think that was the first time, in a, I think that was actually the first time since I was a kid that I actually cried at a game. Was at the beginning of The Last of Us. I was like, not like bawling, but like teared up. I was like, that mm-hmm. is freaking rough. Because that set the stage for his character throughout the rest of the game. Um, <clears throat> and so, you're right. Like it is, you know, it's not like, like there's certain moments in certain games where I'm like, yeah, this makes me feel happy and like makes me, you know, smile. But I guess it's more impactful when something makes you, you know, because typically crying isn't something we naturally do. Like we naturally smile and we're, you know, we try to be happy, but you know, we try to go out of our way to cry um, Mm -hmm. or try to go out of our way not to cry and, or feel that way or feel sad or empathize like that. But whenever something like that effectively does it, it's such an impactful experience for us that we remember it. And I think that that's why we remember those things is because they're, they're eliciting a response from us that we don't typically display, uh, Hopefully that often. The, the only other time I can think of where I had an emotion playing a game that really stuck with me that wasn't like sad or whatever was when I walked into the Forest Temple, which I've talked about before, so I won't talk about it again. But Yeah. Well, we talked about that. I talked about the Shadow Temple too. It was just creepy mm-hmm. and it makes your skin crawl. Stuff like that. Like that, you know, that's still emotion. things that still stick with us. But it's also like the more impactful things are the things that make us feel feelings we try not to feel, if that makes sense. I think like that makes we, sense. We go out of our way to not, you know, not that we try to be stoic all the time, but nobody wants to be the person that cries all the time or cries during movies. Um, like the scene in Up, the opening scene for Up still gets me. Like no matter how many times I watch that movie, it's, that's pretty See, I was actually, but, when I was thinking of Ori and the Blind Forest, I was thinking that the opening to that game reminds me of the opening to Up. Because mm-hmm. it, it's so happy and then everything goes sideways like real fast yeah and even just listening to the soundtrack because that's all there is there's no dialogue in the opening scene for up it's the set the the opening track for it is just extremely Mm -hmm. emotional um and so again like i remember those things i hate the fact that i cry at that beginning to up 
um, still, which I wish I didn't, but... You know what was really cute? I can't remember. I watched it last week, and it was made by Pixar. The name is escaping me, but it was, it was about... Cars. Um, no, no. Cars, Cars 3. It was like a little short film about this young boy, and like uh, he was discovering that he was gay, and he, he had a crush on another boy, and like his heart kind of raced out of his chest, and like he was trying to hide it, and it was like... <laughs> It was super. It was super, super cute. And I don't know I, if that's I, Pixar, but I know what you're talking it, about. It was. I'm pretty sure it was Pixar. I don't know. It, it I don't looked know if like it be, was. If it wasn't, but anyways, it was really cute. I don't know if they'd be that ballsy to do something like that just yet. I think they. Well, why not? That's. I'm just I, saying. I, I will. I'm pretty sure it was. But anyways, it was. It was cute. Okay. Speaking of Pixar and emotional moments. <laughs> so. I'll just kind of wrap it up. What have you been playing lately, Andy? What's been on your your log, your backlog, your front log, side log? Um, so I've been I've been playing Pokemon Go a lot. I'm back into Pokemon Go. Um, mm-hmm. I have one more Pokemon to go before my Pokedex is complete. So I need like ten candies to get my Ampharos, and then I have everyone. That's two hundred and thirty-seven Pokemon. Not Where do you breaking, go from there? Like, what do you do at the end of that? I don't know. I guess like I'm gonna help my girlfriend get the rest of her Pokemon, but like she's she's doing pretty good too because she usually goes with me. So mm-hmm. um, I'm playing the Evil Within right now, which is kind of cool. A very artsy fartsy as well. Speaking of, <laughs> so it, it's I was expecting more of like a psychological uh, story, but it's definitely yeah. more psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Um, been playing Splatoon two here and there, and. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I finished uh, finished Wolfenstein: The New Order a couple weeks ago. So next on my list to play after that is Mass Effect Andromeda, which I finally per- got around to getting. Yeah. <clears throat> Oops. Um, what about you? I started a new game plus on Persona Five. Uh, trying to, I, I really want to platinum the game, mm-hmm. um, just because I got really close the first time. Um, I have like five or six trophies left. And I typically do that. I'll typically replay a game whenever I'm really close to the trophies. If it's not that, like, intense of a game. Like, for Horizon Zero Dawn, I kind of need to take a break before I do another New Game Plus through that game. Right. Um, just because it's it's more difficult, I'd say, than Persona 5. Like, more <clears throat> difficult to play. Um, <clears throat> like, especially the difficulty-wise, like, you know, going into it. Because uh, I think the New Game Plus has, like, an insane difficulty or something that you can do. Um, or like a really hard difficulty and I want to try maxing that out too. Um, but I'm really close for that, but I'm just doing new, uh, Persona 5 right now because I didn't get all the confidence and I want to hear everybody's story. Um, and I just really enjoy the game. Uh, trying to max out compendiums, trying to um, get all of the requests done, all that fun stuff. Um, and then I got a Vita a few days ago. Really? Uh, yeah. They still make those? No, I got it used. Oh. This little little bad boy right here. Um, I got Persona 4 Golden for it. Uh, people are gonna hate me for this, but five is still better in my opinion. Um, I just it, it took everything for it and did it so much better. Sorry. There are people that really don't like that opinion. I've learned because I've made that opinion known um, in some Persona groups, and they do not like me for it. But uh, I also have Gravity Rush, which is a fun game. Tearaway came with it just because they were like, hey, take this game. Um, and then, I mean, I've got a backlog of stuff. Like, I have Until Dawn still um, to replay through because, you know, we got it for PS Plus membership. Um, just Cause 3, which is my game, my go-to game whenever I'm just like, yeah, let's blow stuff up. And then Doom. <clears throat> Doom. Yeah. I'm thinking of picking up um, Megacy, uh, or Megacy, Mega Man Legacy Collection because I want to replay them all. Or one. Uh, the one that they just released, like the one that has Mega Man. I think it has like one through seven. Yeah, that's it? the first one because yeah. they just released two, and that's got or Mega Man Legacy Collection has one through six. Two has seven through ten with all the DLC. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I want it. Definitely, I'll definitely be looking at the first one. Seven, I don't like that. I don't like the art style they chose for Seven. It's weird. 
I feel, I feel like at that point I'd rather just play Mega Man Zero. Oh, or, or like Mega Man X or something like you that. Want, you you know? want to talk about a game that like had uh, that made me feel was Zero. Mm. But that's that was a that was an odd experience for me too because I'd never heard of those games before when I got the the DS collection for it. Yeah, I, I had, I had to, the Game Boy Advance one, and I've since lost it, and I'm mad at myself because that was a really cool game. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. Not yeah, as difficult as regular Mega difficult. Man games because Zero moves a lot better. But uh, it was it was difficult. It's uh, uh, looking back on it, I don't understand why they changed his design so drastically. Because he, I mean, I understand it fits with the game the that game universe. But like, if you look at Zero and X and Zero in in the Zero series, <laughs> you can't you can't tell that they're the same character. Mm-hmm. Like he's lot, barely. He's, yeah, he's like. Some ninja now in the new one, forever. <laughs> yeah, rather than like a bulky fighter. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. yeah, so that's that's what I'm uh, that's what I've been playing. Yeah, and uh, just a reminder: Undertale's out for PlayStation. I'm waiting for my collector's edition. Zachy, our one of our editors, is currently playing Undertale, and I might have hyped it up quite a bit for him. No, I'm I'm gonna get that like the second that it comes to Xbox. Yeah, I I don't have a PlayStation. I really wish that I did. I, I should have got a PC PS4. Too. Oh, my PC just sucks though. Like it can barely play. <laughs> oh, you know, Botanicula. It, it doesn't require that much. I played it on like this Lenovo tablet with two gigabytes of RAM. You could probably get it done on a uh, on anything. It's 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 not that intensive. Um, I mean, you can always want the best gaming experience, but like it's mm-hmm. it'd be like playing Earthbound on an emulator in terms of quality like of, of usage of of your space mm. all right so go for it everybody buy it buy it now i'm not being paid to say this invest in gold <laughs> that's it for this week then i guess all Unless right you want to well. hear us talk conspiracy theories i can do that for another hour who who detonated that nuke was it the boss was it in three, yeah, I, I got. Oh, that. I was talking about real conspiracy theories. But we could talk game conspiracy theories too. We'll save that for a later date. Yeah, game <clears> conspiracy <throat> theories. Tune in next week. <laughs> Why did Konami really fire Kojima? Oh, I would love to know that. <laughs> I'd I'd watch a documentary on that. We are the documentary on that. Let's go. Yeah, we'll do let's use all. Of, let's pull all of our resources, all the money we're getting paid for Zelda Informer, and make a documentary on it. Get ready for a uh, for a very high quality documentary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's it. See you later. We better go before we get cut off. <laughs> Bye. Bye.